When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. Elaine Lee, my Real Vision colleague, welcome to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. How are you? GM, GM, Ash, keeping it uh, natively crypto uh, here this morning on Crypto Daily Briefing. Good morning. Good morning. Talking of natively crypto, let's take a look at some price action here. Top of the show, Bitcoin trading on my screen at 27332 On a seven-day basis, not awesome. It's off almost nine and a half percent. 24 hours trailing. Looks like it's up about one quarter of one percent. But it's better, unfortunately, that what's happening in Ether, which we're going to be talking to Elaine about shortly. Ethereum trading on my screen, 1,814 trailing 24-hour basis. It's down just over one percent. Seven-day basis, though, however, down 13 and a half percent. Not an awesome week, obviously, for Ethereum. Elaine, I know you spend a lot of time in the Ethereum space because of your work on NFTs at Ethereum and many, many other things. Elaine, what are you up to right now at Real Vision Crypto? Oh, Ash, you know, these prices over this past week has been brutal. Like you said, Ethereum is down just a little bit over by 13% and Bitcoin down by 9%. It is truly miserable. I'm not going to lie out there. It is a sea of red. However, though, Many people in crypto are seeing a lot more fun over in uh, meme coins. So uh, very volatile space. I can't keep up with them, how many of them are just popping up left, right and center. But it is a really volatile space, something that I don't play with because I simply don't have the energy to watch the explosion of these meme coins. I see it go up really quickly. And I know for a fact it will also come down very quickly, Ash. So, Elaine, let's talk about it. Let's dig down here. Obviously, you're involved in a lot of things. Uh, you watch these markets very closely. You watch what's happening, not just in terms of price action. Look, we all know that crypto uh, has these incredible periods of volatility. That's no surprise to anyone. Uh, but it's also interesting to talk about the underlying functionality, what's being built, where the community is, where the technology is, where the culture is, where the space is more broadly. What are you seeing? What's interesting to you right now? Well, I can tell you now, Ash, you know, NFT floor prices, even if the biggest projects are really just going down, they're dipping ETH by ETH for some of the biggest projects and blue chips of what they call them I see out there. But the ones that are 
you know, really surviving the space for what I think is going to be the next bull run are simply it goes back to the ones with the strongest community, the ones who are secretly learning, quietly learning, quietly consuming. And I would say that's very much uh, the real vision Genesis collectors in the pro crypto space and our collective as well. You know, just popping in every morning through the afternoons, in the evenings, people are talking to one another, Ash. You know, even when people get new jobs in the space, you know, I just popped into our Discord this morning and I saw someone getting a new job that I was really excited about. Congratulations to Ray Doomy, that's his username. Uh, a lot of the times, you know, so many of our community members that, um, you know, spend so much time with us, they don't even pay attention to the floor price because they know it's a community feel that brings value to the people that you're talking to, people you want to uh, learn about the markets with. And I think that's the most important thing right now. And certainly people in the space that are building, they don't, they're not paying too much to price attention. If anything, I'm seeing, you know, um, like wrapped ETH offers being accepted last week, but this week I'm seeing more transactions using ETH to purchase their NFTs. But it, again, it is a really volatile space at the moment. The, the macro backdrop is really volatile and something that we have to look after. And even the prices of cryptocurrency is down in the reds, like we said. So I think people are sitting on the sidelines a little bit. But if you truly believe in the communities and the project, I think it's very important for whatever you want to sort of uh, go down the rabbit hole with, that you make sure there's a functioning team behind it. There are people that you can constantly communicate with. You know, Ash, even yesterday, uh, we had one of our own that was... Uh, got hit by clicking on the wrong link and they were scammed. And these are the things Wait, that you what, what have that, to... What does that mean, Elaine? For people who may not be familiar, what does that mean? Talk about that, unpack that a little bit, because it's an important point in terms of security in this space, which is really about uh, the security of your money. So talking about security of your money is people clicking on way too many fresh links. There are scammers in Discord and we have to you know, address these issues, talk about that. Certainly it happened to someone at a Real Vision member yesterday and straight away we, the team was wherever we are across the world, we would get into the Discord, we would get into Telegram and talk to the users and block that person in uh, Discord that came uh, and, you know, uh, put out a phishing link. So, to, so, so what you're uh, talking about here are phishing attacks against users uh, in the space is something that's been unfortunately all too common. This is really a challenge, I guess, fundamentally of the underlying user interface, user experience, uh, something that, you know, kind of it seems like we're just playing whack-a-mole with right now, right? There's a security threat that pops up. There's a phishing link uh, and people have to go in and try and uh, sort of notify people, hey, don't click on this link. It's a bad link. We're going to pull it out. The challenge is that, you know, look, fundamentally, it's still incredibly early in this space. The user interface, the user experience does not really support the kind of robust security and transparency for users uh, to ultimately uh, have the kind of trust in the system. Because at the bottom line, uh, it's really between you and, and your mouse that the biggest security flaw is, right? When you have a system where you can't actually see what you're doing, who you're interacting with, how you're interacting with them, it becomes incredibly challenging to feel secure in the space uh, just because there are, we know, so many bad actors out there. When you combine these factors together, you get some of the challenges that we were talking about uh, like happened yesterday. And it is a very difficult aspect of the space. Now, again, I'm not trying to be negative about it because there's just an incredible amount of, I think, interesting functionality that's being built. and. One of the challenges in having these conversations, I think, is really trying to balance the challenges that we see from the security space, the price volatility, all of that. I think we're going to take a look at some floor price charts here in just a second. But I also want to explain to people, if you're watching this show, 
uh, and you don't really know the NFT community the way Elaine Lee does, uh, and you hear about price volatility, and you hear about uh, you know the the challenges with security that we all know are in the space, people might be wondering, well, why is it that this is so interesting? Let's try and explain that story, Elaine. Talk about what it is about the NFT space that you really connected to. You're someone who doesn't have a traditional finance background, a traditional banking background. When you came into this space, you were just immediately attracted to NFTs. I mean, I remember it when you joined Real Vision. You're now a Real Vision NF. You're now a Real Vision OG. Uh, and in the NFT space, <laughs> you're spending a lot of time and you've got a lot of uh, you've got a lot of fans who watch you and who hang on your every word. Talk a little bit about what it was that originally pulled you in to the NFT side, what it was about this, of all the things that we cover here at Real Vision that you just emotionally connected to. Why was that? And what keeps you engaged in the space? Ash, if anything I've learned over uh, being with uh, dealing with finance media is you should never be emotionally attached to something too much. Um, but... Uh, for me, I think why I care about the whole NFT space, it was always more than a PFP for me. It was the utility of what- By the way, jargon, that... PFP means profile pic for people who don't know. It means you post your profile pic uh, with your NFT on Twitter or some other social media platform. What's PHP, Ash? Let me put you to the test a little bit. Oh, PHP is a server-side scripting language. Come on. Absolutely not. It's paper hand princess in the ecosystem at Real Vision. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, I've been an investor in crypto since 2017. I owned cryptocurrency, you know, with Ethereum and Bitcoin. Nobody cared about blockchain until the layer of culture came in, where you can purchase something that relates to you. Right. Okay. And then you see the whole Web3 layer come in. And then you're thinking, hmm, content creator and ownership. This is something what's really fascinating to me. All right, all right let's, let's unpack those terms. What, what do you mean by culture and what do you mean by Web3? Because I think it's important for people who are not as close to the space as you are to understand why those terms are so important. Well, people were investing things that they cared about, right? So say if a picture looked like you, you'd want to you know, own a piece of the pie of that. And that was really something you would, the minute you purchase any crypto, you naturally step your foot into the markets, whether you were interested in the markets or not. So that's what brought a lot of attention into the whole blockchain technology space in the first place. And that's for me, as someone who's trying to go for the mass adoption for people who are interested in blockchain. So the fact that you can add the layer of culture into it, that's when made people care about blockchain technology. That's what made people care about the price of Ethereum. I can rest assure you that before NFTs, I did not care about the price of Ethereum. Actually, it was probably for me as an investor to care less back then because I didn't have to pay attention to it so much. But now that you're personally yeah. involved, you have to look at the, uh, the price of Ethereum and see when there are good opportunities or opportunities to run away from, depending on the price action of Ethereum. But definitely it has caused more dialogue to happen within the space because you are investing something that you care about in. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So basically what you're saying is it's the emotional connection that you have uh, to the thing that you own that really drives your interest in it. And until you sort of got into the culture component. I wouldn't say emotion as much, Ash. I would just say just something that you're interested in and you can have the conversation about culture, about why you like that thing that you're part of now or that project or something that you're starting to learn about. Because, you know, you as a crypto investor or NFT investor, I think people who come into the space understand the volatility of it. So you can see if you're on Twitter all day looking at crypto, you see people talking about that gaining momentum, that traction. But then if you see it die down, you also have to pay a, you know, a good solid attention to like, okay, is this the time to run away from this project? Of course, that you're not so serious about. You have to also understand when to exit as well and not be holding something onto something for too long. And that's why I said too much emotion, emotions involved is not necessarily a good thing either. So what you're talking about then is the the connection at some level driven by your interest. And, you know, I mean, some people are driven by interest in central banking policy uh, and what they believe uh, to be, uh, you know, hyperinflation risk in the economy. And they and they connect uh, at a very visceral level to Bitcoin and they connect to the charts around Bitcoin. These are some things that other people in the space connect to. You're saying that it was the culture that really drew you in, that pulled you into the space, that made you feel like you had a stake in it, made you feel as though you were interested in what was actually happening there. Yeah, I would say so. And especially if people, if you're, if you come from a background where you are finance heavy, you are strong into chart, you are a technical analysis trader, you know, you can pay attention to the price all day long, right? But I definitely think there are more friends with you over the past 24 months that you can share these conversations with. And that's the beauty of why I'm interested in building out in the community within the space every day. Hey, speaking of community, if you're listening to this conversation right now and you have questions for Elaine Lee or for me, uh, send them up wherever you are, whether that's on Twitter or on the platform. Uh, Excuse me, I should say on YouTube or on the platform, but you can send them in over Twitter as well. Uh, We'd love to get your questions for Elaine and for me. Uh, Elaine, let me take a look at something here. You mentioned price. I want to take a look at a couple of floor price charts. I think we have those ready. Uh, Let's take a look at, uh, I don't know which is queued up first, either CryptoPunks or Bored Apes. Let's take a look at that chart if we could, Arthur. Okay, you can see that one right there, Crypto Punks. Uh, Elaine, let's talk a little bit about this because this is something that you watch very closely. You see this uh, interesting pattern where you see uh, basically the chart divided in half on the x-axis where you see considerable volatility to the left. Then you have this period of kind of flattening and then this sort of rollover period very recently. Uh, what are you seeing there? What are people you talk to say about what's happening? And I think we could probably flip over because I think it's a very similar pattern over at Board Apes. We want to flip over to that chart. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of similar, kind of similar. You see the volatility of the left half of the chart. Uh, and then on the right half, you see this kind of stasis followed by this rollover period that we seem to be in right now. Uh, Elaine, when it comes to price on NFTs, floor price, tell us a little bit about what you're hearing and what you think. I think those are, you know, two of the projects that you mentioned there are some of the most well-known, but as you can see, it's an absolute red bloodbath across two. Those are the two projects that I'm actually not paying attention to because they are just such big prices at such high entry point for people, for the normies to get in, right? People sort of in the crypto space, they want big returns quick. So something like CryptoPunks and Ape, 
you wouldn't even pay too much attention to. What I can tell you, though, um, something like more of a, a good entry point would be like a project like, you know, Nakamigos, who was causing a lot of noise. Uh, in New York and with the release of new Beeple pieces that he puts out. And I think that's like probably about 0.3 at the moment. So you're seeing some... Uh, you're you're uh, talking about them, of course, pri priced in Ethereum. In Ethereum, priced. pricing at the moment is about 0.3. And you can tell that, you know, there's just much more uh, people coming into the space because it's a lower uh, entry point with the Nakamigos. We don't know who is behind the project, but we know it's definitely causing a lot of traction at uh, NFT NYC. So Nakamigos is definitely the talk at the town at the moment. But, um, you know, at the moment, I think everyone's trying to to wait out to see what the bottom is. It's still so volatile out there. It, you know, I can't even remember the last time I purchased um, an NFT. So I'm just still waiting and seeing how things are settling. But if things get a little bit even lower, yeah, with the projects and the leaders and the founders that I know are quietly building, people who I talk to every day, I'd be much more uh, interested in sort of, um, you know, checking out the floor prices in solid projects that I know has definitely lasted over 12 months at least to be safe. But, um, Ash, I do want to talk about, um, you know, just because I'm not purchasing NFTs does not mean I'm not minting NFTs. I want to bring up to your attention, actually, that, um, I don't know if on Twitter, have you seen the blue shields that everybody is rocking out in their bio at the moment? Tell us about it. So basically, if you're on your uh, Twitter timeline, and I know for uh, the very intimate crowd listening to us on the Twitter spaces out there, um, our community members, Fat Stella, DeFi Deffin, um, and the Learning Tribe. Where is in the Twitter space right now. And uh, by the way, just to remind everyone that the community does have um, a space where they've built uh, with one another. And it usually takes place on a Tuesday, 5 p.m., where they talk about what they've learned at Real Vision, depending on what uh, videos that they have uh, watched and content we've released out throughout the week. But it's a hey, listen, really- a word, Real quick, a word out to the community for folks who are listening who participate in that. Hit us up on YouTube right now or on the Real Vision platform with some questions. We'll get them to Elaine. But it's a, a really incredible space where they share their learning journey and they call themselves the Learning Tribe. And it truly is a fantastic and a safe space. Um, but talking about those blue shields. OK, so I actually picked this up from a Brian Armstrong uh, tweet. He's been a really busy man lately, Brian Armstrong, hasn't he, Ash? <laughs> He's always a busy man, Elaine. Yeah, I can imagine. And he's traveling from places to places and really bringing up like, you know, talking to, I believe, was it the UK Econ uh, econ Minister? Or Definitely uh, uh, members of Parliament, hanging out with people in members of Parliament talking about crypto regulation, which to me is actually something really assuring to see that a crypto, uh, one of the biggest crypto names is still talking to people within government about crypto regulation. And like I said, um, going back to the Blue Shield, if you actually click on Brian Armstrong's um, page today on Twitter, which I am live doing right now, you will see that he's got a Blue Shield in his uh, uh, name. And basically, uh, if you scroll down a little bit, 18 hours ago, Coinbase tweeted out, um, that the community is clearly fired up about sensible crypto policy. Here's how to continue the support. Now, if you click on that link, you actually have the opportunity to mint something for free. So you connect your MetaMask wallet and you can mint this piece 
um, and basically it is a symbol for unity. So you'll be seeing that blue shield uh, for anyone who is interested in crypto policy and standing in unity to sort of come out and be like, you know, this is a commemorative NFT. It's open mint. So open mint meaning there's no um, there's no uh, a set amount of NFTs within the collection. It is an open free mint. And if you take a look, Ash, it's a free mint. So it's uh, something you can own. And 19,000 people has minted this. Hey, everyone. We're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. All right, but and then, Elaine, let's let's slow down and explain this for people. What does the blue shield represent? Where does it come from? And what's the significance? To protect and guard a crypto policy, I'm assuming. I mean, that's I, I don't know if that's true, but that is something that I, you know, symbolically would read it as. But this is just built into basically his profile name, right? This isn't uh, something that is uh, verified or in any way integrated into the Twitter functionality. This is literally just a, an emoji that he's put placed in his profile name. Is that correct? No, it's actually uh, on the blockchain the minute you mint it. Right, but in Twitter, it's embedded just as an, as, uh, an emoji, yeah? Embedded on his bio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so basically, you know, it's an emoji that you can find on your keyboard that if you put blue shield, the blue shield will probably put up. So that was how everybody will recognize that you're standing with the unity of crypto policy if you mint this NFT. So it, it represents then, a, a, a sort of a position that people have uh, about standing with crypto. What does that mean exactly? What is the what is the policy that they're standing with? Well, like I said, if you go onto the website, it's a symbol for unity uh, where the crypto policy and on the page, if you go onto the website at the bottom. Which, which uh, website? You're talking takes, about the Coinbase website? Hold on. It takes you. Uh, so basically from the page on the mint page uh, that people will see is if you go onto the website next to the little Twitter blue button, you click onto the website that's attached to this page. Okay, but which website? This is the Coinbase website you're talking about? No, this is not the Coinbase website, Ash. This is the website that from Brian Armstrong's Twitter page that he tweeted out. Coming from, if you click onto it, it'll take you to this website that you see on the screen. And then from this website, if you scroll onto the bottom, there's a little global symbol and you can see that it'll take you to this website here, where it's called actnow.io. For, for people who are listening, tell them who's sponsoring the website. Is it a Twitter website? Is it a, is it a Coinbase website? Where are they going? Mm, let me take a look at this. So, it, well, the disclaimer at the bottom that says this is a non-Coinbase uh, webpage and it's hosted by Quorum. Okay. Uh, so basically, it will be collected and used to reach out to you regarding uh, crypto future crypto advocacy uh, opportunities and measure the effectiveness of these campaigns. Okay. And what's the substance of what they will find there? Like, so when you click on, so you'll have to enter your name, your email address, and anything campaigning for um, for anything to campaign to basically uh, shine a light on whatever crypto policy that needs to go through Washington, um, they will reach out to you and be like, right, this is this is what matters. This is the laws and policy that we want to talk about and push through. So it's, then, a, it's an advocacy website that Mr. Armstrong is linking to, essentially. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. What do you think about it, Ash? Do you think it's something uh, worthy of you signing up? Would you sign up to it? 
Well, I haven't read it yet, uh, but I certainly will after the show. Look, I think that we're in this period right now where public policy is obviously uh, a huge uh, driver of interest, sometimes a huge headwind, if we're being honest, uh, for the crypto space. We've just uh, had a series of hearings where Mr. Gensler, uh, the chair of the SEC, was on the Hill uh, being questioned uh, you know, very closely about whether or not Ethereum is or is not a security, the status of cryptocurrency more generally uh, under securities laws. By the way, we should say lots of other questions from Mr. Gensler that had nothing to do with crypto, but this really is one of the key points, how this is going to be treated in the United States and abroad. One of the things that we see uh, more broadly happening is this concept of called policy harmonization, which essentially means uh, that whichever direction the United States goes in, broadly speaking, uh, you see a, a, a sort of directional trend to move in that direction from the rest of the world. Uh, we do not have regulatory clarity here in the United States around digital assets. In fact, what we have is exactly the opposite. We have a great deal uh, of consternation about who is going to regulate digital assets, whether it's going to be CFTC or SEC. Uh, both of those agencies seem to be vying for uh, the ability to regulate the space and and to you know this this broader point about the public policy advocacy you know if you have uh, things like Ethereum uh, which the New York State uh, Attorney General here uh, has asserted is in fact a security uh, under U.S. law in a, in official court filings if you have the SEC chair one of the most powerful regulators in the United States making the assertion uh, that he believes uh, Ethereum. Uh, is in fact a security. By the way, uh, when uh, when asked by uh, Congressman McHenry and others, uh, Gary Gensler declined to give that specific uh, answer, saying he did not, in fact, say, I believe Ethereum is a security. He said it depends on the facts and circumstances. But if you look at the regulatory actions that are being taken in the documents that have been filed, it's very clear that SEC does believe that Ethereum is a security. Uh, and so when you have this weird kind of regulatory limbo that we all seem to be stuck in, there's this risk uh, of of a headwind to the space in a very material way uh, because there's uncertainty out there. Institutions especially, <clears throat> excuse me, are reticent about getting involved in a space where they don't know if they have regulatory clarity. Listen, imagine you're running a large bank or a regulated financial institution and you have this, this sort of threat out there of regulatory enforcement action against Ethereum. It's not exactly a green light to want to get involved with it. And that's really the place that we find ourselves in today. And I imagine that's the reason why Mr. Armstrong and others in the space who are very prominent, I mean, Mr. Armstrong is a U.S. person. He runs a regulated, publicly traded U.S. Uh, entity. He has, you know, OCC and SEC and all of these other regulators uh, that he has to keep satisfied. And so it's this challenge that we have in the space. Now, Brian Armstrong, of course, is going to be out in front of this much more than most traditional financial services uh, institution CEOs are. Why? Because he's in the crypto space. He's clearly a crypto native. But that's a, at least a, a little bit of a sense of where we are from a public policy standpoint. We can keep going and dig into that a little bit more. But I'm curious to hear your views on all of that, Elaine. Um, I don't have much to add, really, other than you can tell that there's a lot of frustration in the space. And... You know, again, whilst we're on the theme of talking about Brian Armstrong Coinbase, I think it was only last week where I read something that was like, there is no reason for why he has to keep Coinbase um, as a US-based company, uh, because I believe Coinbase is a very remote uh, company at the moment. So if things doesn't, there's no clarity for people to grow crypto businesses in the US, and by the way, everything that we spoke about with the Blue Shield, with the you know policy advocate, it's very important to, you know, also uh, put it out there that you know this is a global um, 
show that this is all very US centric. Mm. So you can, so, you know, um, you know, despite you see it on Twitter and everything, everybody connected, it's still very much um, US centric. And I'm assuming that if you're not a US citizen, that this doesn't apply to you. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I've This notion that, you know, all Coinbase has to do is move offshore and they're in this sort of totally unregulated landscape. I've always been a little bit skeptical of that, you know, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, uh, you know, Mr. Armstrong is a U.S. person. You have directors and officers who are U.S. persons. It's regulated here in the United States. And even more to the point, uh, if you are selling what the SEC deems are securities, whether you're in the United States, uh, whether your company is domiciled inside of the United States is immaterial, you are still subject to those laws. Uh, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried found this out the hard way, obviously being charged uh, with an offshore corporation. We've seen regulatory and enforcement actions being taken against Binance uh, for essentially uh, this idea of marketing what uh, regulatory agencies deemed were securities or commodities to U.S. persons. So this idea that, you know, all you have to do is is move your headquarters offshore and you're in this unregulated candy land, I've always been a little bit skeptical of that thesis, line. Oh, I'm sure many other countries would welcome him with open arms. I'm sure, but the question is, does that really end all of their challenges? I think the answer to that is probably no. But listen, we got a question in from Paul on the Real Vision website that I wanted to ask you because this is directly in your wheelhouse, Elaine. Will the oh, RV... come on, Paul. GMTU, Paul. It's a great one for you. Will the RV Collective community and Discord eventually totally replace the Real Vision exchange? And how does the exchange fit into the future of the Real Vision community? Before you answer that question, Elaine, uh, let's assume that not everyone who is listening to this and watching us this morning are uh, are Real Vision DGENs. Let's explain a little bit about what the collective community is uh, and what the exchange is. My dear Paul and Ralph, <laughs> I haven't seen you in the Real Vision Collective chat at all. That means you only dedicate your time to this one hour. That means you only like watching Ash and he's your favorite host at Real Vision. But what I do have to say to you is I think 100% you should be more into the Discord because uh, the Real Visionaries that we have in there, truly they are our family building out in Web3. When you mention the exchange, you see, um, you know, I've never actually spoken to Raul about this, but he is so aggressively posting everywhere, just like I do, just how we reach 24 seven around the clock with our community. But I do think Discord is such a good place to be despite being really careful. And I do say that, please close your DMs. I do not open DMs in Discord. Um, I just think your hive mind being opened up, other people is allowed to pick your brains. I think with the exchange at the moment, and probably someone will kill me for saying this, it's like, I don't get a notification uh, when I post in there. So basically in uh, Discord, I just know very much that the uh, dialogue can continue. And, you know, even after when the show is finished, someone in there will be able will be able to have their hive mind triggered by you because, you know, you and Ralph and Paul definitely, I would say, are participants that make this crypto show happen every day. And, you know, just watching you both ask the questions as well on every show on Crypto Daily Briefing, the guests enjoy it because you ask the, the very questions that, 
they should be challenged and be asked that if anything that I've learned, you know, seeing the collapse of FTX, seeing like all these leaders that come into the space, you know, absolutely rampant and ready to go through in a bull market, but absolutely nowhere to be found in a bear market. That weighs a lot of big red flags for me. So, uh, you know, I just think if anything, uh, it shouldn't just be in the crypto space that's so new. You should be listening to one person talking at you all the time down a barrow and you just nod and listen. They should be put their feet to the gr uh, to the fire and be asked every question about whatever they're building. And I think that's very important and also safe for the space. And you should absolutely do that within the community. Well, Ralph and Paul, yes, thank you. As uh, somebody who hosts this show every day, uh, it makes my job immeasurably easier and a lot more fun to get these consistently awesome questions from you guys uh, and some of our other regular uh, viewers as well and listeners. Uh, I just want to say this uh, on that note, just to add uh, just a little bit of context and color around what Elaine said. Every time I talk to Ral, he's just so passionate about community engagement uh, in this. You know, Ral uh, believes that what we are entering right now is this networked world. Uh, he's incredibly passionate about integrating uh, the members into every aspect of Real Vision, and I suspect we're going to see and hear a lot more about that in the weeks and months to come. Elaine, I can't believe we've just blown through 30 minutes here. It's just flown by, but I wanted to give you this opportunity to give your final thoughts, key takeaways uh, about everything that you see happening in the Twister's Twitter space and also about what you see happening at Real Vision. Final thoughts, Elaine. I think final thoughts is um, thanks for hanging out with me, Ash. I know every day you have big players in the crypto space here. Obviously, the Crypto Daily Briefing Show at Real Vision is definitely a more serious patch, but it's also nice to talk to me and see what we are doing in the Web3 space where, you know, either what, whatever you want to call it, NFTs, Web3s. The point is when you are learning something and constantly cramming so much information into your head, and, you know, these are the dinner guests that you want to bring on your dinner table is I would call the visionary members. And by the way, just taking a look at YouTube as well, because we can't get about the people watching on YouTube because we are streaming live on YouTube uh, today. Verhufti um, Flufen is asking me if I am uh, if I want to get married. The question is, no, I absolutely want to look after my bags first. <laughs> um, but key takeaway is Look, I think it's a very uncertain time, whether for macro or crypto. From what I'm sort of reading is no one knows where to sort of put their money at the moment. And it's a very volatile space. If you have the fresh liquidity, what are you meant to do with it? So I think you just have to be really patient and still learn every day. The thing is about um, every community is you have to find the right community that you want to learn with and you know bring your a game to a dinner table and you know justify why you go with your conviction of about what investments you want to make on an everyday basis you can't force people to learn you can only um have people around you that want to learn and they find this as a passion and something that they want to share to the rest of the dinner table and i think that's what's more important in this sort of really uncertain time is you know what are you learning every day in the world of finance Yes, of course, we need to add, uh, as always, not investment advice, do your own research. I'm just the dope who asks the questions. Uh, but important points that you made there. You Lynn, should definitely, definitely not listen to me. I'll tell you that right now. But especially important points that you've made there about learning. That's what we're so committed to here on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. We're going to continue to explore all of these topics with some of the most brilliant minds in the space. Thank you again for joining us, Elaine. Thanks, Ash. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you tomorrow. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in. For more content like this, 
head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.